0: Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I used to care so much about portraying a perfect life and acting like everything was okay when really things were far from it. I was secretly battling anxiety, depression, and an eating disorder. So it was a lot. I'm Victoria Garrick, former Division I athlete, mental health advocate, and host of RealPod. Every Wednesday, I sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, and more to talk about the inner thoughts and feelings that we're all struggling with. So leave the filters and facetunes at the door and join me on RealPod. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rule book and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman. From hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more, whether you are pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Are you ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. In 2018, sisters and co-founders Leah and Audrey founded Vitamin C, an influencer marketing agency specializing in TikTok. The C stands for consciousness, and their mission is to infuse it into the industry, changing social media and influencer marketing for the better. Four years later, they've built a seven-figure business and work with some of the top influencers and brands to build impactful social media strategies, including ButcherBox, Thrive Market, Amika, and ferrari all names you've probably seen on your TikTok feed. And today, the sisters are here to talk all things TikTok, building a brand while related, and growth in a new medium. We'll cover everything from finding an audience and landing partnerships to developing an influencer strategy and going viral. Let's talk about helping making your brand make an impact on TikTok and so much more. So welcome to the podcast, ladies. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here. Okay. So before we get into strategy, I'd love for our listeners to learn a little bit about your background. So Leah, we'll go with you first. So tell us about the beginning stages. Like, What gave you this idea to start a TikTok-focused influencer marketing agency?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that Audrey and I have always had this obsession with influencer marketing. I mean, we really think it's the most effective form of marketing when it's done right and it's done consciously. And we just always had this passion to make it better. So we started our career in like more traditional spaces like Instagram and YouTube doing influencer marketing for clients. We tested on TikTok and the results were insane. Like it was outperforming, every other social media platform. And we just saw a real opportunity with TikTok, especially with influencers um, on the platform. So yeah, we like niched in really hard. And I think that gave us access to a lot of like bigger brands and bigger clients because we knew TikTok. We've been doing it really since the early days and um, it's been amazing and exciting.
0: Yeah. I love it. Cause it's a little right time, right place because TikTok was taking off, obviously you guys launched in 2018, but like 2020 was like the year of TikTok. So you guys were early to market on that for sure. But taking it back even further, you know, how did you know how to start a business? Like, did you have entrepreneurial roots? Like walk us through the process of being like, okay, here's our company. Here's the name of our company. And like, it's real. Let's go. I feel like we have to wind back. So this is actually our third business together. So I think that's
1: such a good message um, that you will have some failures or some successes and you get into a business and you're like, I actually don't like this at all. I need to like go with my gut and follow the trend or what's popular. So we had a personal assistant business that we started in 2015 together, like freelance personal assistant for C-suite level executives. And we basically ended up just doing marketing for them. And both of us, I, she had a finance degree, I had a com degree. And so we ended up doing marketing and helping them personally brand themselves. And we were like, so we're not really doing personal assistant work. And so that business kind of fizzled out because we were just doing marketing. We're like, let's freelance. We started a business with a friend. It was a startup. We were fundraising for it. That's where I think our passion for influencer marketing really got started. We were weaving it into the fabric of this clothing rental business. It was going to be influencers renting their clothes to their followers um all via an app. And so I think we just got way passionate about doing it the right way and building it into like making it a cornerstone of the business. That brought us to Vitamin C. I yeah.
0: love it. I love that so much. So you've had the entrepreneurial bug for a while and it's so funny because everyone always is like, "Oh my god, create and cultivate like" You're so successful. I'm like, I have businesses you've never heard of that were 100% not successful. But I think it all leads you in the direction to figure out what you like doing, what you don't like doing, what you end up doing the whole time anyway. So I think that's so awesome. So let's talk a little bit about TikTok. So obviously, we know TikTok blew up. We'd see people dancing and making recipes and all that. But what was the brand opportunity that you guys saw on TikTok to be like? There is a, serious, amazing niche that brands can take advantage of in TikTok. And what's sort of like your overarching strategy when a brand approaches you to come work with you guys?
1: Yeah. Um, like Leah said, we were testing and just working in the more traditional spaces and doing you know, what everybody else was doing. But our mission's always been to like make a difference and do things differently. And when you're playing the same game that everybody else is and trying to make a difference um, in a pretty crowded space like Instagram or YouTube, we found it hard to get that across. I actually attribute our TikTok like breakthrough to clients that were asking us to test. And I even think I advised against it. I was like, Guys, that's just kids, which I hear all the time now, and I roll my eyes. But I was like, that's probably not for us. Like, I don't want to spend budget there. I was just being really conservative. And we started testing, and I mean, it was like twenty x times the results on TikTok. We were like, wow, like things selling out, like web traffic, like that, like broke company records. Like this was in end of twenty nineteen. So we were like, okay, we're onto something here. We had strong case studies, um, and then the pandemic expedited TikTok's growth and. It allowed us to to niche in, and I just think, especially for newer businesses, I don't I don't know if we're seeing twenty x the results of Instagram now, but there's still like first to market and early adopter benefits there. So I always tell brands there's so much wiggle room to get your name out, to work with on the rise creators at a at a better price, and really develop that relationship. So I I tell all emerging brands to have a TikTok first strategy when it comes to
0: marketing and influencers. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we're starting to see a little bit of the, the convergence of like TikTok becoming, oh God, like it was so, it's like when you joined Instagram and all of a sudden you had like a hundred thousand followers. It was like when it first launched, it's not that anymore, but it still has a ton of value. So what are you guys seeing as the best performing content on TikTok? Is it like the super raw, you know, kind of content? Is it comedy? Is it the dancing with the product? Like when you're talking to clients, like what are you advising them? Is it a mix of all of those types of content? What I think I, there is really no right answer. That's the interesting
1: thing about TikTok. Um, it's what I think differs from Instagram. That was more glossy. There was a formula, like get a good camera, do a great flat lay. And then there was the emotional, authentic era of Instagram where it was like, pour your heart out and you'll get Followers, there's all these different eras, like on the way up, and while the industry was developing. But TikTok, I think, if you show up as yourself and you're passionate about something, and you put in the work, and I think if you have a really clear idea of the kind of community you want to cultivate, I think you'll you'll get there. You just have to test, and you have to. It's a volume game of trying out a ton of different things, trends, talking directly to the camera, being silly, being serious, um, finding out what you like,
0: and then what's attracting the type of community members you want to attract. Totally. I, I think it's so funny because I'm such a victim of the millennial pause of like, hi guys. Like where it's like, no, you don't greet anyone. You just jump into the video. Like you got to just start. I love it. So Leah, so what's crazy is that in the last couple of years, you guys have built this seven figure agency. You're working with massive clients, um, developing their strategies. What did you learn about cash flow scaling? Like this is really fast, you know? So talk to us a little bit about your strategy there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I traditionally came from a finance background. So it's always been of interest to me. But I think that when we were expanding really quick during the pandemic, I mean, we had clients that started on really small retainers and all of a sudden they were doubling, tripling, quadrupling their budget. Given like the figures. Yeah. Like, like, so yeah. we had retainers for $350 a month. And then at one point someone was like, Hey, can you do a hundred k this month? Like, like in within a span of six, six weeks. weeks. No, yeah. I'm serious. It was like. It's just, you know, and then, you know, you have to figure out the team and you have to figure out scaling. But I think that it's, you know, we've always had like a vision for where a company could go. It's always been the goal to keep growing. So I think you just, you know, like figure it out on the way. And we've had a lot of great like mentors and people helping us. But any advice you would give like to somebody, I feel like taxes was the biggest learning curve that that jump when you're scaling. And that's totally her domain. Like I my eyes plays over when we talk to our bookkeeper. Yeah. I'm like, I think as a founder, I think it's really important to have like some level of understanding of it and really like learn and teach yourself, like dive in. It's not always super interesting. I try to educate Audrey as much as I can because she's not super interested in it. But <laughs> I, mean, I think you have to have an eye on it and understand it and be involved in it. And I think that's been really helpful in our business just to um, have like a top level eye on it and not not be something that you ignore.
0: Absolutely. So let's dive into like your roles, right? So I love that you have different backgrounds. We hear that a lot on the podcast, like to have co-founders, you need to have different backgrounds, different interests, because it'll like help divvy up the work, but layered on top of that, you guys are also sisters. So talk us through how you guys divide and conquer, how you work together, how you work through problems and, and what has worked and what hasn't worked. And maybe what advice you have for someone who's like, I'm going to go into business with someone in my family. Tell me what I need to know. Well,
1: I think everyone's always wary about it. They're like, don't work with family. That is a common thing people say. And I feel absolutely the opposite. I'm like, don't work with anyone but family. (laughs) Like, I'm like, I just love having that solid foundation. And we could just be anomalies. Like when we've always been really close. And I think it's always been our dream to work together. I think even when we were teenagers, we were like, let's build something cool together. So it's always been in the plans. I think that the biggest lesson we learned was not having things in the middle of like, Oh, like we, you really do need separate roles when you're trying to tackle everything together, things slip through the cracks and you're not in your zone of genius. So really defining those roles and having things you own and you're responsible for, because it's your sister. I can be like, Hey, I don't want to do this. Can you do this? Like, Mm -hmm. come on, like, shut up. Just do this for me. And it's like (laughs) walking into work with a little bit of professionality, even though you guys are family. And um knowing that you you own a specific vertical in the business and it's up to you. Mm-hmm. And I think too like. If you're starting a business with someone, you really focus on those like different skills. I think Audrey and I have perfectly opposite skill sets. Like <laughs> Audrey's so bubbly, she's outgoing, she's a people person. I'm a lot more like process oriented and organized. And I feel like that combo together is what's been able to make us have such a successful business.
0: I love it. Yes, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the creator economy. So obviously, you guys are negotiating with influencers all day long. And Audrey, you have some hilarious TikTok videos about this, but Let's talk about some, you know, if I'm a brand and I'm out there potentially don't have, you know, the budget to bring on an agency, but I want to negotiate and get some influencers to work with me. What are some things I should be asking for? What are some top tips you have for negotiating influencers? And like, how much should this cost? Because, you know, we are seeing crazy memes about like, when you ask an influencer to do a video and they, their rate is like $2 million and, and then you offer them one and they pass and you're like, what? (laughs) <laughs> so it's, it's a little bit of the wild, wild west. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, some ideas you have around that? Yeah, absolutely. I think
1: that when, if you're a small brand, you're reaching out to influencers. I think one of our most successful models right now is going beyond a pay per So like really offering like extra incentives, getting um, influencers involved with the brand. Like that's what influencers are interested in. They're not just interested in a dollar amount. They're really interested in like what your brand has to offer and being involved and being in the ground level. And so I think being really, um, like incentivizing to influencers would be great if you're a small brand, but I think be personal, be transparent about deliverables and usage and all of that stuff is really important to influencers. Lately, we've really been building programs with our clients and we're offering um, influencers like long-term contracts and that stuff's amazing for like newer creators to really build a career out of TikTok and, and be able to become a true influencer. So what do you think about like pricing? My like tagline that I say to clients is influencer pricing is an art, not a science. There is no, I say that all the time. There's like no correct answer or formula, but the more tactical side is at the end of the day, like you really have to understand what you're trying to get out of this video, picking one KPI. Um, is it big views? Is it acquisition? Do you want a cool ad? So understanding what you're asking this creator for And then setting parameters, like you never want to feel like you overpaid because you got caught up in the negotiation. You're like, I love her. I went up, I doubled the budget. And there should be a formula, like a CPA formula, I mean, a CPM formula that backs out that you're at least getting a pretty standard industry rate for the impressions. That's always something you can go back to and average their last 16 posts and say, okay, am I at least getting an industry standard rate on these impressions or is this overpriced? That's kind of a good baseline.
0: Yes. I love that. So let's talk a little bit for people who maybe aren't as in on the lingo of all things influencer. Talk to us about what usage looks like, you know, what a CPM can look like, like all of those different things. You guys have really set yourself apart because you've started to work a lot with subscription based companies, you know, Thrive Market, et cetera, and created a lot of really amazing content with these influencers. So for people who are just like, oh, I have to work with big influencers. I don't think that necessarily is true. You know, you guys work with a lot of micro influencers. So talk to us a little bit about defining out those industry terms and then we'll dive a little bit into micro influencers. Let's <laughs> talk about usage first and foremost. Like what does that mean? What is industry standard, all that stuff? Okay, so an in industry standard CPM
1: on like across platform, I think it's $10 per million. It's a $10 CPM, which is $10 per million impression, right? Yes. So it seems like a simple equation, but we like have to put it into a website like every day into the. (laughs) So a ten dollars CPM is pretty industry standard. So and TikTok is usually below that. So that's always a good bargaining chip when we're like, hey, we should put more money into TikTok because views are cheaper. Um, but that's like that top of funnel. Let's get eyes on the product. Let's educate what our brand is all about. And. From there, it really goes down, like I said, those varying KPIs. From there, it's like, what are we doing with the content? And those bigger views are those bigger creators. So, if like legacy brands, like, or really big brands with big budgets, they're like, yeah, here's 200K. Let's just get as many views as possible. Let's get this logo in front of people's faces. But growing brands, direct to consumer brands with growth goals, they're completely different. We want to work with those micro creators, those mid-sized creators with really niche audiences, and they need to see results in the form of traffic and new customers. So that looks a lot different. Those are two different campaigns. The strategy is the same. The philosophy is the same, but the types of creators we're working with and the price points really. Yeah.
0: Big. I love that. Cause I think that's a great way to think about it too, especially for anyone who's listening, who has a small business. Like Focusing in on your goals around influencer marketing and not just like throwing money to see like, did this work, did this not work? I think it's really important to have that strategy behind it. So let's talk about it from the other side of the spectrum. Like, say if people are listening in and they're like, I'm a micro influencer. How do I get brands to work with me? Like, what are you looking for? How do you discover new talent on the platform? Um, talk to us a little bit about what you look for in working with influencers and creators.
1: You're really good at this as well, but this is like my favorite, one of my favorite parts of my job is identifying creators that I know are gonna blow up on TikTok, like they have that special sparkly quality to them and they're posting a lot and they're on my for you page a lot. And it's really fun to snag them in the beginning um, and get good rates and then just start those relationships with our clients and like kind of get in early. And even from our side, we care so much about the creators that it's really fun to also act as a mentor and be like, Hey, this is what this looks like and kind of help them through the contract. Like we don't want to pull the wool over their eyes. Um, We really like it to be a win-win situation. So that is super fun. And I think what we look for, there's a difference in big views like I was talking about. Um, So there's those creators with huge followings that are getting big views and that's that's one type of deliverable. But when we're looking for conversion or acquisition for acquisition-based campaigns, We're looking, there's a few things we look for, which is a ton of talking to the camera. Like that creates Mm -hmm. so much trust. And so we're looking for creators for those more growth-based clients. And they're never talking directly to the camera. We're like, their audience doesn't know them. They're not gonna buy anything they're recommending. So that's one, the amount that they're posting and it's really the quality of the engagement too. That's another thing we look for. Like if there's true discourse and like dialogue happening and real fun conversations happening in the comments, um, we know that their audience is engaged and they could be a great partner.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's actually really good feedback. How often should creators be posting? Like, what do you, what do you think is like industry norm these days? Leah?
1: Like they should be posting all the time. Audrey says volume and consistency. I think that if you really want to grow on the platform, you cannot be like precious about your content. You can't be caught up in everything looking amazing and being perfect for your brand. Like get out there and test things, engage with your audience, answer questions. Like that's the way to grow on TikTok. And I think that it's so different from a platform like Instagram, which is like a highlight reel. But TikTok is just you've got to be in there, be relatable, and. Oh my
0: god, always be creating content. I'm so tired just even talking about it.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say three to,
0: three to five a day on uh, for TikTok.
1: But <laughs> that being said, I don't if you're taking three hours to create one video, and right. like that you can't test quick enough. So everyone's like, I mean, this is for 95%. There's that five percent that make really great videos they post once a day and they're really glossy and cool and it gets views, but for TikTok. We're seeing the off the cuff, the like last minute kind of chaotic nature. And it's like, you want these videos to only be taking a few minutes to film. And the less precious you are and the more you can get out, the quicker you're gonna grow. So, wow. Yeah.
0: Three to five a day, uh, girls. I cannot, but I appreciate it. I appreciate it. But that actually makes so much sense. And I think there's been this like interesting gap in social because I'm of the era of like perfect Instagram posts, perfectly curated reels. And it's just not what it is anymore. And it's really hard to feel like putting stuff out there that isn't perfect or, you know, edited. So anyway, lots of, lots of learnings for me on this one, for sure. So Leah, what are the TikTok predictions for 2023? Like, what are you seeing? What kind of trends should brands and creators be looking out for? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that the biggest
1: thing that we're seeing is that, you know, it's really not just about these like one-time posts, like TikTok audiences are super plugged into like ads and they know when it's an ad and they're kind of like tuning out from brand. So I think a brand needs to be really well integrated with content creators. And I think content creators want those long-term relationships with brands Mm -hmm. and want their audience to feel like it's a really authentic relationship with a brand they really love and use. And and we're seeing that trending a lot. But I think too, for like more like viral things, like what we've been seeing work really well lately are um, like having super savable and searchable posts. I think it's really Mm -hmm. important to consider engagement for the For You page on TikTok, like to get pushed out there. You want to have people being like, fully engaging with your content. And we also really recommend like great hooks. So catching people in the first few seconds of your video is super important. Like watch time on TikTok, that's what's gonna push you out to new audiences. So those are some of the trends we've been seeing. Yeah, and I think for 2023, I think that the longer format content is gonna do well. I kind of see this TikTok in the beginning was almost like a replacement for Vine. Quick, funny, grab attention. And as more people are on the platform and they're developing these really intense communities and people are spending so much time on TikTok over other platforms, I think that longer, that three minute, is going to be used a lot more. And I think we're going to see a lot of influencers that are more ordinary. Like, I think the days of being so aspirational, I say. Instagram's aspirational, but TikTok is relatable. So mm-hmm. it's like a nurse, Janelle is a great example. Mm-hmm. She's a nurse that's keto and she just shows her lunch every day and people just want to feel like they can relate to something. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll see the rise in more the everyday creators versus that glossy aspirational look.
0: Wow. Okay, cool. This is so interesting. I'm loving all of this. There's so many good tips here. So what's next for vitamin C? What do you guys have in the works? Anything exciting for 2023 besides obviously growing? Growth is the goal. We definitely we just moved out to LA. We've been virtual. Our team is virtual.
1: So under like understanding that we want to put roots down here in Los Angeles, kind of the, the epicenter of where this industry is um, in growing our team. I also think we want to extend our offerings to smaller brands that maybe can't afford an agency to do all this for them. But I feel like we have such a good playbook for even Etsy shops and small brands to tap into influencer marketing, tap into TikTok. Um, So kind of mapping something out for them and having an offering that they feel like they can be empowered
0: to do it themselves. Absolutely. I think that's so necessary because there is this gap, right? Where it's like all the bigger brands who already have the budget are like, you know, getting all the eyeballs, but there's so many small businesses out there that also need that help as well. So hopefully this episode was helpful for them as well. And obviously we'll learn more about where they can find you, but let's wrap with some sentence finishers. Okay. Audrey, a non-negotiable for our business is. Dreaming
1: small. I think settling, we're allergic to settling. So
0: (laughs) I love that. We are allergic to settling. Leah, the most rewarding thing about being a founder is?
1: Always getting the opportunity to grow, grow yourself. Audrey, so far I'm most proud of? I'm most proud of everything that I wrote in my journal five years ago. Like I'm living that life now. That's been really
0: cool. So Yay. I love that. Leah, the best part of working with my sister is? I'm never having to worry about a breakup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately you guys are stuck together forever. <laughs> um, well, thank you ladies so much for all this incredible information. Can you tell everyone where they can learn more about vitamin C agency and where they can follow you yourselves? Absolutely. So our
1: website is definitely the best place to connect with us and see what we're up to. That's vitamin C And then you can check out my personal TikTok. I do a lot of TikTok and influencer commentary there at, at Audrey America on TikTok and Instagram. Yep. And I'm at Lelou Lemon on TikTok and Instagram too.
0: Amazing. Thanks, ladies. Awesome. Thanks so Thanks much. So much.